Hello friends, Tom here. From wherever you are tuning in, I want to welcome you. Thanks for joining us. We are now in week five in our series, Teach Us to Fast, where we have been exploring the incredible words of biblical fasting. We've been talking about how fasting is more than just skipping meals. It's this incredible idea of foregoing food to feast on God. Uh, that we are more than just physical beings with a body that has a physical appetite. We are spiritual beings with a spirit that has a spiritual appetite that can only be satisfied by God himself. So, so glad you're with us today. Um, in this series, you know, we've been, we've been kind of going through different examples that we see in the scriptures, different stories, exploring different um, uh, parts of scripture where men and women have been engaging in fasting for different agendas, um, for different reasons. And uh, we've been uh, joining them, if you will, in, 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 in practicing fasting together as a church for these various agendas. Okay, so, so far we've covered um, fasting for revival and awakening, um, this idea of, of, of mass repentance, turning away from sin and turning, to turning towards God. So mass repentance inside the church, mass repentance outside the church. So we fasted for that. We fasted together for health and for healing. Uh, physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. Uh, last week we, we fasted together to solve a problem, seeking God for wisdom, um, to solve the problems that we face in life. And it's been really, really cool for me uh, just to kind of hear some of the stories that have been coming out, um, the ways that you are experiencing God through fasting. We've had uh, stories of people uh, experiencing God's healing power through their fasting times. Um, it, Stories of people experiencing God providing wisdom to, to help them solve problems that they're facing. Uh, listen, if you are experiencing God's blessing through fasting, please don't keep it quiet. Like, share it with people. Um, it really is such an encouraging and faith-building thing to hear from others about how God is intervening, how God is moving among us as we, um, as we follow Him and as we engage in this spiritual discipline of fasting. Uh, today, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to cover this idea of fasting for your calling. Um, do you know what you're called to? It's an incredibly important question. Because for you to live the life that you were created to live, you need to know the answer to that question. Do, do you know your calling? And by now you probably guessed it, we're in this series on fasting. Fasting can be really, really helpful and beneficial in finding the answer to that question. What is your calling? Okay, so before I go any further during our time, I just want to pray. So will you join me from wherever you are tuning in? Will you join me in prayer? Uh, Father, thank you for your grace that covers us, that covers me. Um, Lord, we look to you now. Um, people spread out uh, all over the place. Um, thank you for technology. We, 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 I love that it, it kind of, in a weird way, does bring us together, although not physically. Um, would you please be with each of us wherever we are in this moment, Holy Spirit? Would you make us more aware of your presence and would you teach us? We want to we learn more about our calling, the things that you're calling us to. We want to we enjoy you more deeply. We want to follow you more closely. So help me, Holy Spirit, to bless those tuning in. I love you dearly. Be with us. Amen. Okay, so what I want to do here quickly is, 
for us to understand calling, like we need to understand the difference between calling and purpose. I think those two things kind of get used interchangeably and they're, they're both amazing, but they, they go together, but they're different, okay? And, and, and today what we're going to do is we're actually going to go through and we're going to examine a story in the life of the Apostle Paul, okay? Uh, where it's this beautiful uh, story where he's made aware of his calling through fasting. Okay, if you're familiar with the Apostle Paul, he was, he was once Saul, right? Saul of Tarsus, he was this, this Pharisee, this, this, this Jewish scholar, and he has this uh, profound encounter with Jesus. Okay, he, he, he dedicates himself for a portion of his life to persecuting Christians, to persecuting the church. Um, and then he has this, like I said, he has this radical encounter with Jesus, and things change. God transforms him by the power of his spirit. And Paul lives this, Saul becomes Paul and Paul the Apostle, and he lives this incredible life of advancing God's kingdom, probably the best church planting missionary of all time. Okay, so we're going to check out this example in Paul's life where he's made aware of his calling through fasting. But before we do, we've got to understand what calling even is. Okay, maybe you have some ideas of what calling is. Maybe you've, you've, you've seen it happen in your life. Maybe you feel things like, I feel called to this. I don't feel called to this. I, I'm frustrated with, with, my, with my season of life and then I'm not walking in my calling. I'm not, all that stuff. We need to understand what calling even is. Many of you are parents uh, and, and many of you are experiencing the, uh, the challenges that we're facing right now of kids being home for school. Like they're, they're, they're engaging in ed, their education from home, whether it's virtually or homeschool or a bunch of different options. But right now, kids are home, and it, it creates some kind of complex challenges that we face. My household, I have two daughters. They are home, uh, and it is, it's, it's been really cool to see them throughout the day and everything, but there's also some challenges. I love my girls. I'm watching them um, kind of weather the storm of, of COVID keeping them home and not at school, and my wife has just done like an amazing job, honestly. Um, she's really sacrificed a ton to, to give herself to helping support my daughters and their education and, and to help them learn. And so with the girls at the house, we've kind of tried to do our best um, to kind of have a, a space for them to where they can like, they can kind of have a desk and they can engage in somewhat of a normal situation, even though it's at home, in, in, in growing in, in their education and learning and stuff. And so what we did is we, we kind of like, okay, we need, to, we need to organize some things. We need to, to kind of move some things around the house and give them a space. And, and then with that space, kind of try to organize that specifically. And so what Ebony did, my wife, she, she went to Ikea. Uh, Ikea, the place that is uh, <laughs> infamous for the furniture that isn't always the easiest to build, but it is uh, affordable, which is a win. So she goes to Ikea and she gets one of those, um, it's like, like, a, like a cubby thing. It's sort of, maybe you've seen like, they're like, these cubes that go in these cubbies. And so it's like a four by four kind of cube organizer thing. So she's like almost like drawers, but with these cubbies. Really, really helpful. And it's, to, like I said, for the purpose of organizing the space for the girls. So she, br she brings home, she buys and brings home this, this cube organizer. And it comes in a box. <laughs> and of course, I have the privilege and responsibility of building this cube organizer. And uh, I don't know if you're like me, you know, it comes with the directions, right? There are people who then look at the directions and just get rid of them. I'm not one of those people. Uh, oftentimes, I really, I want to like, uh, I want to do it in as quick amount of time as possible. And the directions are very convenient for finishing it quickly. So I pull out the directions. I look at all these different pieces, all these various, you know, things. And, and it says on the very front page, it says what tools I'm going to need to build this thing. 
So <clears throat> it says I need a screwdriver, a Allen wrench, and a hammer. So in that moment, I do what I would say most dads do is they uh, ask their children to bring them the tools that they need. So I ask my daughter to bring me a hammer, an Allen wrench, and a screwdriver. And so I want you to get this picture, okay? I have all these pieces laid out. I know what my project is. I'm gonna build this piece of furniture. I ask my daughter to bring me the tools that I need. I called for the hammer. You see, a hammer's purpose is what? It's this tool and it has a purpose and its purpose is to drive something into something else, whether it's a nail or a dowel or whatever, right? So in light of the hammer's purpose, I called for it. I wanted to utilize the hammer for a specific task in a specific way at a specific time. Okay, so in this case, like the, the, the furniture that I'm building, this cube organizer thing from Ikea, I need to use this hammer, the directions say, to, to hammer in one of these wooden dowels that kind of helps with the, with the kind of reinforce the cube organizer as it's put together, right? To reinforce this piece of furniture that I'm building. So, so here's what I want you to see. I want you to see the purpose versus the calling here, okay? The purpose is the why something exists. So in the case of the hammer, the, 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 the hammer exists to drive a nail or a dowel into something else, right? That's the purpose, the why. Okay, the calling is the what. The calling is the what. It's, the, it's a specific task or, or a work that aligns with the purpose. So why do I say that? In order to understand and live out your calling, you must know your purpose. They go hand in hand. They're different, but they're, they're connected. To live out your calling, to understand your calling, you must know your purpose. I did not call in that moment. I did not call for a saw, okay? <clears throat> I called for the hammer because of its purpose. Listen to me, friend. You need to understand God has created everything with a purpose. That includes you. So I, I want you to see that no matter who you are, he calls for you. He calls for you, firstly, to come to him, okay? And secondly, to utilize you in specific ways for specific tasks at specific times. Okay, I don't want to move... I don't want to move past this. We need to stay here for a second. First things first, you cannot live out your calling if you have not yet come to him. Like, if you have not yet embraced and received his forgiving and gracious love for you. Like, like if you've not yet come to him to, to, to know him and to be filled with his spirit, to be given a forgiveness for your sins and, and reconcile relationship with him and, and to be filled with the spirit to then live a new way, a new life with new desires. It's called, it's called the new birth. It's called being born again. It's like, it's like I'm being transformed. My desires are changing. Coming to him. You cannot live out your purpose if you have not yet first come to him. You can't answer your call if you have not come to him. To live a new life, forgiven and empowered by his spirit. Not only that, you cannot live out your calling if you don't know your purpose. So, really quick, what's your purpose? Do you know? Isaiah chapter 43 verse 7 says this, listen close. Everyone who bears my name and is created, why? 
for my glory. As I have formed them, indeed, I have made them. Human beings were created, why? For God's glory. The, uh, the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, Catechism puts it this way. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That the purpose, the chief end of human beings, of mankind, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's your purpose. That's my purpose. Okay, I think we're, I think we're all clear on this idea of enjoying things, right? Like enjoying God, like we can know how to enjoy things. But what does it mean to glorify God? In John chapter 17, verse 4, Jesus, he's, he's praying to God the Father and he says this, he prays this, I have glorified you on the earth, here's how, by completing the work you gave me to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything. Why? What purpose? For the glory of God. Friend, your purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And you do that by completing the work He gives you to do. You do that by obeying Him. Okay, so in other words, your purpose is glorifying God by living out your calling to obey Him and enjoy Him in very specific ways. Okay, a hammer is living out its calling when it's hammering something. Okay, a human is living out their calling when they are obeying and enjoying God. Hopefully you're with me. Okay? Listen, and think about this for a second. Think about the, the implications of this, the ripple effects of this. The outcome of obeying God, okay, the outcome of accomplishing the work that he gives you to do is that God is glorified. Okay, it says that God is glorified when we obey him, when we, when we, when we answer the callings, when we, when, we, when we do the work that he's given us to do. He's glorified, the scriptures say, okay? It means that he's seen as glorious, his, his glory is encountered. He's seen, as he's seen as glorious when we glorify him by obeying him, by, do, by answering our call. And listen to me. When God is seen as glorious, people come to him. They come like a moth to a flame. They answer the, the call, the first call that we talk about, to come to him. And when they do, they inevitably will answer the second call, to obey and enjoy him, which glorifies him, and then other people experience his glory, and then other people come to him, they answer the first call, and then inevitably answer the second call. Do you see this like a chain reaction? Do you see the implications here? Listen to me. If you're a Christian, it's because you've seen God as glorious. How? at least to some degree, through the influence of other people. And what? You've come to him. And now you too live a life that glorifies him. Again, this chain reaction takes place. But, hear me say this. All of us have a choice. We all have a choice. 
Will we be people who live out the purpose for which God created us, right, to obey him and enjoy him forever? Or will we be people who live out a different purpose? That's the question you and I face every day. All right, <clears throat> there's your there's your 30,000 foot view of purpose and calling. They're different, but they go together. Okay, what I want to do now is I want to zoom in a bit. Okay, again, just to kind of put in front, we're talking about this idea of fasting for the purpose of, of understanding more about our calling. Okay, now I want to zoom in a bit because your calling is personal. Your calling is unique. It's specific. There are, like I said, there are unique ways that God desires to utilize you in different seasons of your life. And fasting can help bring clarity and understanding to what those are. Uh, let's use the hammer again, okay? A hammer's purpose doesn't change, okay? A hammer's purpose does not change, but it can be utilized for different projects, different callings. It can be called upon for different things, okay? The same is true for you, same is true for me. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want to take a moment, I want to take a, a look at actually like a really important moment in the Apostle Paul's life. Okay, where fasting plays a key role in Paul become, becoming aware of a call from God. All right, so Acts chapter 13, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. It says this, starting in verse 1. Now, in the church at Antioch, the city, there were prophets and teachers, spiritual gifts. Okay, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, which we know would later become the Apostle Paul. Same guy, okay? Verse 2. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. Okay, for the rest of my time, I want to touch base on a few things that we see here in this passage. Um, the first thing I want to draw your attention to is this is a diverse church. Okay, it listed five of its leaders there. This is a diverse church. First, you have Barnabas, right? You see, Barnabas, he's a Jew from Cyprus. And the thing about Cyprus is it's a Gentile, non-Jewish colony. Okay, so, so, so Barnabas, he's a Jew by birth but he's raised in a non-Jewish culture. So this would be like if you, this would be like you growing up like in, a, in an area where the, the vast majority of the ethnic groups around you aren't like you, okay? So that's Barnabas. Um, the next one they list there is Simeon. So Simeon, he's a black African, okay? Very different than Barnabas, okay? The next guy they list there, Lucius of Cyrene. He's from North Africa, okay? Very different than Simeon, very different than Barnabas. Uh, the next one, Menaean. It says that Menaean was a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch. What that would mean is that like Menaean would, he would uh, represent sort of royalty and nobility. Okay, so think like the social elite. That's Menaean. So far we have different races, different ethnicities, different classes. And then it says there's Paul, there's Saul, it says, who would later become the Apostle Paul. So you have Saul, and like I mentioned before, uh, Saul is, he's a Jew, Jew like Barnabas, but he's unlike Barnabas in that he was completely immersed in Jewish culture. Culture, Okay, he, uh, Saul was this, is this like this, this Jewish 
a scholar and a Pharisee even. So, just in the people they listed there, this is church in Antioch, and it's diverse in its leaders, diverse in its giftings. It talked about uh, teachers and prophets. It's diverse in their callings. Like, everything that's listed here, there's, there's, there's this beautiful picture of diversity in this church in Antioch, okay? What we see here that I think is really helpful is we see an example of a multifaceted calling, okay? The next thing I want you to see here is that everyone is called. I'm going to say that again. Everyone is called. In this passage, we see God calling some to send and others to be sent. The calling here is not limited to just Paul and Barnabas. Okay, there's, there's a unique calling, absolutely. But you need to know, every Christian is called. Every single one. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, appropriately written by Paul, Saul in the story, right? says this, For we are his, God, we are, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Why? For good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Friends, every Christian is called to specific good works, to, to, to be utilized in different ways, at different times, to do different things that God has prepared for each of us to do together. It's this beautiful picture, okay? I want you to see everyone is called, okay? And not just as everyone called, but everyone is called to ministry, the, the, the word that we have in English ministry, right, it comes from the Hebrew word sharat. And what sharat means is it means to, to, to wait on or to serve. It's this picture of service, okay? And Jesus was really clear. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. It's this idea of, of Jesus coming to serve. And he also said, follow me. Now listen, you might not be called to pastor, okay? You might not be called to vocational ministry. But listen, every Christian is called to full-time ministry because ministry is service. So serving God, serving others. It's, it's living for the benefit of other people. Jesus showed us the way to be fully human. It's through serving God and through serving others, through loving God and loving others through living for the benefit of others and not the exaltation of the self. That's, the, that's sin. Sin is, is, is choosing me over you and, and, and service from a pure heart, especially service from, a, service from a heart where you've been served by God himself through Christ that empowers you to serve others with a pure motive. Friends, that's the good works that God has prepared for us. From Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 that we just read. Everyone is called and everyone is called to ministry. One commentator puts it this way. Jesus' ministry, his service, right? Jesus' ministry did not end with his resurrection from death and ascension to the right hand of the Father. In the book of Acts, Luke, the author, introduces his history of the early church by reminding his readers that in his first volume, he described all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. Luke is saying, in effect, that Jesus continues to do what he was doing. 
before he did it as a person. Now he's doing these things through his people, the church. I love that. Our service, our ministry, full-time ministry that you're called to, okay, not vocational, full-time service, living for the benefit of others. It's an extension of Jesus's ministry, all right? Every single Christian is called to live a life of full-time ministry, of serving, of living for the benefit of others, and in doing so, it's an extension of Jesus's ministry. Do you know what that means? That means that no calling is insignificant. Every calling is vital. God calling on anyone and everyone that he does for his purposes, all of it is essential. Every single one, not one calling. No calling is insignificant. Tony Evans says this, quote, The result of the fasting and prayer in Acts 13 was the birth of world missions. Barnabas and Saul were sent out in the first ever missionary trip sponsored by the church. The gospel was taken to the entire Roman Empire, world power at the time. The church grew, and Paul went on to write most of the New Testament. Friends, don't you see? Every call from God is significant because every call from God is integrated into a bigger story. The story of God redeeming the whole world one act at a time. It, God, using various means to call people to himself, first and foremost calling them to him, him drawing men and women to himself to pour out his forgiveness and his grace, his undeserved grace and forgiveness that then has a powerful impact on a person it changes a person. It transforms their desires. The goodness, the grace of God is powerful. And then he begins, after he draws men and women to himself, he begins to teach them their purpose, why he created them, why they exist. He doesn't just redeem their relationship. He gives them, he restores their purpose, which is what? To glorify him and enjoy him forever. Not only does he call them to himself, but then he calls on them to participate in his work of renewing all of creation, his project. Friends, no calling is insignificant if its purpose is to glorify God. Because if he's glorified, if he's seen as glorious for who he truly is, others will come to him. Others will come to him. They will experience the redeeming power of God's glorious love. Friends, no calling is insignificant because every call is integrated into the bigger story of redemption. So listen to me. Whether you are single, whether you are married, whether you are a parent with children, uh, whether you're employed or unemployed or wealthy or poor or young or old, you're a man, you're a woman, you're, you, you've been following Jesus forever, you're a seasoned Christian or whether you're a new Christian or whether you're not a Christian, you have the opportunity to say yes to God's calling, to say yes when he calls on you. And God's calling, even the seemingly small things, are never insignificant. Never. They have eternal implications. Uh, the, the final thing I want you to see here quickly 
is that a calling is confirmed in community. Again, Tony Evans for you, he says this, quote, When the Holy Spirit called Barnabas and Saul for the church to send them out as missionaries, that call was validated by other leaders and by extension the entire church at Antioch. Their calling was verified by other spiritual people through whom God was speaking. If God is telling you something, he's also going to validate it through other people. God won't call you to ministry service contrary to the revelation of his word. And if God is calling you, other godly people are going to recognize it. End quote. Friends, calling is confirmed in community. So often, man, one of the things that I see that people wrestle with often um, is I'll, I'll hear things uh, to the effect of like, you know, Tom, like, I'm just not sure what God is calling me to in this season. Like, I'm, uh, I'm uncertain of my calling, whether it's big picture or in the moment. Like, I'm uncertain in this season. Here's what I would say if you find yourself in that space. How connected to God's people are you? How connected to, to the people of God are you? Like, are you truly known? Because a calling is confirmed in community. Okay, if you, if you, try, to, if you try to go at things alone, you try to have revelation on your own, and you try to have, that's how cults get started, for one. If you try to have revelation on your own and understanding on your own, you're missing out because you weren't created to do life on your own. You weren't created to, to answer the call, the, the various calls on your life on your own, let alone discern what those calls even are on your own. If you are not connected, like deeply known and connected to the people of God, why not? Friends, God created us to be integrated into a diverse group of people, his church, because he's building something. Or rather, he is rebuilding something, okay? And he's, he's calling for hammers, and he's calling for saws, and he's calling for drills and screwdrivers and Allen wrenches to rebuild a world that's been broken by sin. It's the greatest restoration project in the history of the world. Okay, HGTV's got nothing on this. To rebuild a world that's been broken by sin what Jesus began, Jesus continues through his church. Through people like you and through people like me. And he's calling you to participate. Friends, a calling is confirmed in community. Okay, I'll close with this. Paul, Barnabas, and the Christians in Antioch, what were they doing? They were seeking for clarity, man. They were seeking for clarity on what God was calling them to do next. Friends, you need to understand something. Calling is not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time thing. It changes over time, okay? Uh, some of you get frustrated in different seasons in your life. We're like, I'm not walking in my calling. What you, the situation that you wake up in today, there are, there are a plethora of opportunities for you to answer the call in your life now, right now. So whether you're frustrated being single, you're called to live a, 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 a single life today that obeys and enjoys God. Whether you're married, you're called to live a married life that enjoys and obeys God today. Parenting, same thing. With the job that you're in that you feel like, I'm not walking my calling. Today, the circumstances that you find yourself in now are filled with opportunities for you to answer the call of God in your life, to enjoy Him and obey Him forever. That includes today. Okay? I want, again, the, the Christians, the leaders, the church in Antioch, 
right? They're, they're seeking clarity on what God was calling them to do next. I want you to understand that calling is not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing. And what these people did in this situation is they fasted. They wanted clarity on what the God was calling them to do next, and they fasted. They, 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 foregoing food to feast on God, the, the, the demonstration of faith, of trusting him, of him, of being desperate and needing him, hungering for him, for his insight, his direction, his wisdom into what he was calling them to. And what happened? God responded. He responded to them in a powerful way. He was clear on how he desired to utilize all of them. And what did they do? Collectively, they obeyed the call. And the world, it changed the world. They obeyed the call. They said yes. They, they placed themselves like a hammer in his hand for him to utilize. What about you? Are you living the life that God has called you to live? Not somebody else. The life that God's called you to live. Could you use some clarity in this season? If so, I want to invite you again to join me this week, 24-hour fast, for clarity on what God is calling you to and what God is calling those close to you to. Remember, everyone is called. Everyone is called to ministry, to service. No calling is insignificant. And God created you to belong to a diverse community where your calling is confirmed and supported. So I want to invite you to experience the rewards of fasting for your calling alongside me. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to bless us. I ask you to go before us. We desire to be people who answer the call, your call on our life to live out our purpose, to enjoy you and obey you in specific ways. We need your help. We need your guidance. Would you teach us? And as we fast, I just want to say thank you, Lord, for the ways that you really are using fasting to develop us and to grow us and to strengthen us specifically in areas of trusting you and hearing from you. God, as we, as we cry out to you in, 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 in fasting and prayer this week, I know it's going to require us to have ears to hear from you. So I pray, God, that you would help us with that. Help us discern your voice and then give us faith to trust you to obey when we hear your call, the specific ways, the specific things that you are inviting us into of your work, of bringing your kingdom, of rebuilding creation, things the way that they're supposed to be in tangible, even seemingly small ways that have eternal implications. Things like serving, things like loving our neighbor, things like maybe even loving our enemies, things like, like, like what we do for a living or, or the relationships that we, that we have in our lives and how to, how to, how to interact with those. The, the, I, I, <laughs> The, the opportunities really are endless, Lord. So would you please help us? We want to answer the call on our lives together. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us, for giving your body and blood so that we could be set free and be included in your redemptive work. Thank you for calling us to yourself. 
and utilizing us for your purposes. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Friends, thanks again for tuning in. Hopefully you feel inspired to follow Jesus more closely and utilize this incredible spiritual discipline of fasting. Um, I'd love to hear stories of what God's doing. Uh, so if, if you have uh, something to report that would be helpful, we'd love to hear from you. Um, grace and peace to you. Know that you're loved, and we'll see you soon.